Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today Rena Van Ouse from Strata Central. Hi Rena. Hi Amanda, how are you? I'm doing fabulously today. I have had an excellent week in Strata. How about you? Yeah, well I've just recently returned from my holiday which was so enjoyable. Um, we were actually in Japan when the typhoon struck but we were lucky that we were in a hotel that actually was both earthquake and typhoon resistant. So. Mm. Wouldn't we love to have some uh, building defects resistant buildings in this yeah, country? Exactly. Well, I, yeah, Forget exactly. about typhoons. Exactly. <laughs> Just something a bit below that would be good. Yes, yes. We could learn a few things, I'm sure. It is lovely to have you back and I'm glad you had a relaxing break, ready to jump back into it. And as usual, we are going to discuss our wins and challenges for the week. And let's kick off with what is challenging you, Rena? Share. So my challenge for this week, Amanda, is relates to a strata managing agent who was aware that they had been proposed to be terminated at the next AGM. And so three or four months ago, the strata committee had gone to tender, interviewed people, and we were successful in, in being selected as a committee's choice for presentation at the next AGM. And the chairperson wrote to the manager and told them that this is what had happened so that they knew well before the AGM and that they were going to submit the motions, etc. And when the committee received the actual agenda, the AGM agenda that had all the motions, they noted that the actual strata managing agent had put a motion on to reappoint themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I was contacted by the chairperson asking, is this valid? And I said, well, not really, because first of all, this is not a statutory motion that the strata managing agent has included. And secondly, the agent really has no authority to submit any motion unless the strata committee has provided that consent. Mm. And thirdly, it was, in a sense, in express opposition to a motion that had been on to terminate them in the first instance. So... Yeah, so it was just one of those things, Amanda, that I thought I might just raise on this podcast for both law owners and managing agents. Now, the chairperson is, is quite a good chairperson. He said to me, that's what I thought, and I was just going to rule it out of order, which I said that that was the right thing to do. But I suppose that there could be other chair people that really don't know whether or not they should put that forward, what order it should go, because I'm sure, even though I haven't seen the agenda, I'm sure that, that the order would have been to reappoint them first, mm. which then means that any subsequent motion to terminate them wouldn't um, have gone through or, you know, would have caused some difficulty. So, yeah, I was wondering, Amanda, if you've ever had with your dealings with various buildings that happening before? Yes, absolutely I have. And I have a vague recollection that we might have discussed this on the podcast before, but I can't quite put my finger on the episode number. If I do find it, I will slot it into the show notes for this episode. But I have had exactly this situation arise in a circumstance where I was acting for lot owners and they had an agent who they felt had not been performing. They had obtained a quote for a new agent and they'd got some support from fellow owners to 
appoint the new managing agent at the end of the current agent's term. And exactly the same thing happened. The notice of general meeting was issued and there was not only our motion for the appointment of a new managing agent that we had requisitioned, but also a motion for the reappointment of the current managing agent. And at the meeting, we asked the question, who asked for this motion to be put on the agenda? If it was a lot owner, there should have been an explanatory note saying which lot proposed the motion and why. And if it was the strata committee, then there should be some record of the strata committee making that decision to put the motion on the agenda. If not in a formal committee meeting, then no doubt there'd be emails, the committee saying, hey, we've considered the agreement of ABC strata managers, let's put that on our agenda. Neither of those things had happened. And as you say, Rena, it's not a statutory motion that is mandatory for the agenda. The strata manager quite openly admitted, confessed if you like, that he put the motion on the agenda and did not have any instructions from the strata committee or a lot owner to do that. And under my questions, he was understandably a little bit unsure as to whether he had the authority to do that or not. And I did ask whether there was some clause in his agency agreement that allowed him mm. to put motions like that on the agenda. His answer was, well, we want to be reappointed. <laughs> I said, well, that's not a good enough reason to go putting your own strata manager motions on the agenda. So the chair in that case actually ruled the motion out of order and mm. said there was no request for this motion, no lot owner has requested it, no authority from the strata committee, the motion is out of order, leaving the motion for the appointment of a new managing agent. So something for strata managers to be really, really careful of. And I know that some of you see it as par for the course. Our agreement's coming up, we want to be reappointed, we'll just slot a reappointment motion onto the agenda. Make sure you have the authority of the strata committee to do that if that's what you're doing or a lot owner is requisitioning that motion. Yeah, Amanda, in this case, it was very clear from four months before the meeting was held that the strata committee were putting it out to tenant. They weren't happy with the service of the strata managing agent and that they would be proposing a new agent on the upcoming agenda. So it was about, I think, four or five months in time frame between when the decision had been made and when the managing agent had been selected for inclusion quite some time before the agenda had gone out, maybe mm. two or three months. So it wasn't something that perhaps was done at the last minute by the agent, not knowing that the committee wasn't happy or that yeah. they had, um, had other proposals in terms of who they wanted to reappoint. Yeah. I think you raised this a couple of weeks ago, Rena, when you said these three-year terms now, maximum three-year terms in New South Wales, are, I think, making some strata managers a little bit nervous and mm. no automatic rollovers, as we know. Only the strata committee by resolution can extend the appointment for successive periods of three months. I think some strata managers are a little bit anxious about that and perhaps not thinking through the legal ramifications of proposing motions like this. So good reminder. Okay, I'm going to move into my challenge for this week. And this week, we actually have a listener question. This is a question that was emailed through to me by Bonita. Hi, Bonita. And Bonita asks, how long after an AGM should the office bearers for the new committee be elected? Is there a time limit that is stipulated? Now, I have had a similar question in a slightly different context, Rena, and you may have as well. Do we need to hold a strata committee meeting immediately 
after the annual general meeting, is there some kind of a time limit that requires that to happen? Have you got any thoughts on this one? The committee obviously is re-elected at the AGM Amanda and the previous members who held those office bureaus positions no longer have them. So the fresh committee, either with same or different members, and that committee then has to hold another meeting in order to be able to elect their office bearers. Mm. Normally, agents do that straight away because everyone's there anyway. It's cost effective. It's time effective. And sometimes we find that the people that want to go on the committee aren't necessarily there. They've already consented in writing. They've been elected. Sometimes a matter we may not have a quorum. So we've had this happen several times where the committee is re-elected but those people aren't actually physically at the meeting. They've consented, but they're not there. So we've had to then hold another committee meeting when they have returned to be able to elect the office bearers. The other issue is that you can't assume that those people will, will be re-elected and you can't sort of have acting members, et cetera, mm. because you don't know who's going to be on the committee and therefore you can't make an assumption that they are going to be re-elected and you can put those office bearer positions on the agenda saying that so-and-so be elected as chair and so-and-so be elected as treasurer secretary, et cetera. Yeah. So as far as I'm aware, there is no time limit. It's the next Strata Committee meeting, which, as I mentioned, are usually held straight after the AGM. And they're usually very short meetings because you've already had an AGM beforehand. And usually the only two motions are to confirm the last committee meeting minutes and to elect office bearers. Yes, it's section 35 in our New South Wales Act, subsection D, that provides, as you say, Rena the strata committee members vacate their positions at the end of the meeting at which a new committee is elected. So if those members, the way I see it, are vacating their positions, then you may well have a new strata committee, but you do not have office bearers elected until you hold that first strata committee meeting and conduct that election. So you don't have a chairperson, a secretary or a treasurer. Now, of course, if those positions are delegated to your strata managing agent, your strata managing agent has the power to exercise those functions under their agency agreement. Well, that's great. Things are not going to come to a standstill. But in my view, it is important for other owners to have that certainty of knowing who is their chairperson, who is their secretary, if that person's going to be a point of contact for residents, for example, because that person lives on site, then that's a good thing to determine fairly quickly. And like you, Rena, in my experience, it is very common for that first committee meeting to be held immediately after the AGM with that very short agenda. But otherwise, no, there is no time stipulated in the legislation for that meeting to occur. That's great. So hope that helps you, Benita. Thank you very much for that question. And as always, Rena and I are happy to receive listener questions. Feel free to email them through to amanda at yourstrataproperty.com.au. We learn from you what it is that makes your life in strata that little bit easier and we're happy to help. Shifting over to your win for this week, Rena. Well, my win, Amanda, relates to renovations, a bathroom renovation, which we know is not deemed to be considered a minor work under Section 110 of the legislation. And we had an owner who wrote to us and said, I want my tenants moving out, I want to install a new bathroom, et cetera, et cetera. So we advised the owner that she needs to actually obtain a common property rights bylaw as this involved waterproofing and therefore was necessary for her bathroom renovation to be considered that she wanted to ask when the AGM was and I said the AGM's not till the end of the year and therefore she would have to pay for the cost of convening her own meeting 
She didn't agree. She didn't say anything. And then next minute we, we found out that she started doing the work because there was a lot of noise and the building has a building manager and he could see from footage and that there was materials being brought up again, that the lift being covered. And again, there was a renovation bylaw that was in place in terms of obtaining a bond and, and providing conditions relating to who the contractors were and Amanda, their insurances. And so none of that happened because again, she didn't let us know that she was starting. And then to add insult to injury, they actually started to cause water damage to the apartment below. So we had so many issues, apart from noise, apart from telling them not to do it, there was water leaking into the bathroom below. So we wrote to them and in a sense, she was unable to respond. Someone else on her behalf was responding. Anyway, so back and forth, back and forth, you know, we said, okay, if you don't stop, we're going to go to mediation. So we submitted an application for mediation. um, And then she, again, feigned surprise as to why, even though we had, given all the reasons as to her bathroom renovation being an alteration to common property. So mediation date was set and she said that are there any conditions upon which they would consider not going to mediation? We said only if you provide a bylaw. And she then asked if she could be given the opportunity to submit a bylaw for the next AGM, which is coming up, and that mediation be put on hold. So the Strata Committee agreed and we said, okay, we won't proceed to mediation at this point. We advise New South Wales Fair Trading of that decision not to withdraw the application but to put it on hold. So I think it's actually a good outcome so far because at least it saves costs for the Owns Corporation to go to mediation. We don't know what's going to happen with the other owner that's had damage at this point. We've written to them about that and said that we've lodged an application for mediation. We would be raising that. But until such time that that occurs or the bylaw is passed, we're not really able to probably do very much because it's really between her and the other owner anyway, when you when you consider the fact that the damage has not been caused to the ceiling as a result of any of the issues the Owners Corporation has failed to do in terms of its statutory obligations to repair and maintain common property. Mm. Now, lots and lots in that. Can you tell me this, Rena? has she finished the work? Oh, yeah, it was all done. It was she all done and dusted. All okay. done dusted, yes. So that would be the reason why you went through the mediation process and you didn't seek an urgent order for her to yeah, stop Yeah, because working. by the time we um, realised what, what she was doing, it was already finished. Okay. And just tracking back to the status of this kind of work, you said, Rena, it's not minor work under Section 110. Now, that is 110 in our New South Wales Act, and you'll find that subsection 7 of 110 says that this section does not apply to, and it lists different types of work, and one of those is work involving waterproofing. Now, work involving waterproofing doesn't actually, if you have a look at the other sections of the Act about cosmetic work and about improvements and enhancements to the common property, it doesn't otherwise come up under those other sections. So the view that I take is that it then falls into the category of the type of work that requires a special resolution and a bylaw. And interesting that you are able to put that mediation application on hold. I wonder how long Fair Trading will be willing to hold that one in abeyance for you. Yeah, it's a good question, Amanda, because we did advise that the AGM would be held in December and this occurred in October. So maybe they might have a time limit. They didn't say that it has to be done by X. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very good question, actually. We'll see, we'll, we'll see what happens if we don't get the vital and I can update you further on the track if um, we don't get the bylaw and we do have to resume the mediation 
Mm. Is it a whole new process again or will they just say, okay, we'll just now give you a a new date? Yeah, but definitely a smart way to do that and try and avoid the costs associated with that mediation and ultimate litigation. And will it be the lot owner who's preparing the bylaw or has she agreed that the owner's corporation can do that and she'll pay? the costs. See, we had already provided her with a whole range of lawyers at the time. When we told her which she needed a bylaw, we said, you know, these are strata lawyers, there's a whole panel of them that we use. Yeah, so we've asked her to do them and we hope that it will be forthcoming. Um, But again, we'll see what happens um, in terms of whether or not she does honour her obligation to submit the bylaw because I think by now, still early days, it happened in October, mid-October. Hopefully by the end of this month we should have that bylaw otherwise, um, yeah. And I'd be very interested to see if there is a clause in that bylaw that makes her responsible for any consequential damage to Mm. lot or common property as a result of her works. That would be a standard, in my view, clause in a bylaw of this type. It protects the owner's corporation. It's what the owner's corporation should be looking for when lot owners are providing bylaws. And if I was your owner's corporation, I'd be making very clear that that clause applied retrospectively to cover the damage that has been done to the property of the lot below. Mm, that's exactly right, Amanda. That's what we were going to make sure was included. Mm. Uh, but I'm glad you've mentioned the retrospectivity aspect of it. You don't want to have a fight also, about that down the no, track. No, and also as you've just mentioned, Amanda, the other issue is that you know there could be damage to this apartment now but who knows if oh. there's going to be damage to anything else further down the track. Yep, Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that, Rena. Some creative ways for dealing with disputes and I'm interested to hear how that one pans out. Yeah, I'll keep you posted, Amanda. Now, moving into my win for this week, I actually want to share with our listeners, our Strata Manager listeners in particular, a really exciting event that is happening in February next year, February 2020. This is the 15th annual Australian College of Strata Lawyers Strata Law Conference. There you go. There's a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I do sit on the council of the college and I'm a fellow of the college and most of our experienced, esteemed practitioners are members or fellows of the college and we convene a fabulous conference around February each year. And next year, we would love to see some strata managers attend our conference. We think the content is highly relevant to the increasingly complex issues that are facing our strata managers across the country. So this is a national conference and we do have lawyers presenting from all of our various jurisdictions on the hot topics arising from their home states. The conference next year is in Noosa, fabulous location. It runs from Wednesday the 19th of February to Friday the 21st and the way I see it, it's a wonderful opportunity for those of us lawyers who are working with strata managers and often we work with our our regular strata managers, those who we do quite a bit of work for, to get together, do a bit of networking, enjoy some really quite high level content I think it is but very engaging, delivered by some expert practitioners and I know that it really sets me up for the year on what the important issues are facing us in our sector. And Rena, I have already issued my invitation to you and I can confirm that you'll be with us. I'm very excited. Yes. Thank you, Amanda. Um, I do recall it used to have a different name. Was it called ACAL previously? Yes. And I think I went to one many, many years ago with a 
another fellow experienced strata manager. And um, I did find my time at that conference um, highly informative and engaging because it's really geared to cases, to, mm. to legislation, to application, and even getting ideas from other states, even if you may not have people speaking about your particular issue from your state. There are things that we could all learn from from other states that we can oh, also yeah. implement in terms of our day-to-day practice and practical application for managing agents. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to going to that, Amanda, next year. Thank you for the invitation. My pleasure. The conference program is out and I will put a link to that in the show notes for this episode and you'll see it is jam-packed. We're talking about ethics for strata practitioners. We're talking about the enforcement of bylaws, the democratisation of energy. Of course, we'll be covering off building defects. There's a session on the content and requirements of strata management statements and building management statements. So I know that listening to this podcast, we have a lot of clever cookie strata managers. And if you're feeling like you need a conference that's got some quality educational content with some really meaty papers prepared by legal practitioners that you can take away with you, then this is going to be the conference for you. So Rena and I would love to see you there. If nothing else, come and enjoy some time with us in Queensland. (laughs) Come and say hello. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. And Noosa is quite a nice city, actually. Yes, looking forward to that. So that's the 19th to the 21st of February 2020 and certainly taking registrations now. So I'll put that link in the show notes, but looking forward to seeing many of you there. I think that is about it for this week, Rena. Anything else? No, all good, Amanda. Thank you. Ready to wrap up? I'll catch you next time. See you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? today?